This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 269, recorded on July 14th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Gadget TV studios here in a stormy Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show with world class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us live now on the mobile app that's available for you. And we made that available. I want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that mobile app. Easy to get. Just head out to home. GadgetGeeks.com, and there's just big fat buttons there for you. Just push on those; it'll take you to the right place based based on your phone, and uh, it will sign you up for the for the podcast. And so, a great way to make sure you get Home Gadget Geeks every week. We'll thank LastPass for their sponsorship of the app, and uh, easy way to do it every week. It's also a great way to listen on the road. By the way, if you want to stream it, it's a especially on iPhone, it's streaming only. I think on Android, you can do some downloads, but you can. Uh, it's a great way if you're traveling on Thursdays to listen to Home Gadget Geeks. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find this link. Find the links to this show. Many other great podcasts. Uh, in fact, next week Rich Hay is coming on from Windows Observer and is going to kind of update us on all things what's going on with the Windows update that's coming up here. The anniversary update actually launches August second. Major Redstone update for Windows, and uh, Rich Hay is going to come on. He's a part of the Geeks Network and does a podcast every single week based on Windows. Podcasts just like that many others, thegeeksnetwork.com. Just a reminder, we have a Patreon link out at theaverageguy.tv if you're interested in supporting the show. It's got a $5. You don't have to do it. It's just, I'll throw it out there. But if you do want to support the show, it's one of those kinds of things. You don't want to use the Amazon link or whatever. Uh, of course, you can use Patreon. Mike, I think, um, I think I'm going to throw a dollar out there too, just because I, I think maybe $5 is too much for some people. So what do you think? Yeah, usually a good dollar. option. When I was doing it, you know, you're just giving them a wide range of kind of options to yeah. like that. And Honestly, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but some people want to support the show, and so if you want to do it that way, I get that question from time to time. How do I, how do I financially support you, but I don't want to use Amazon? Uh, there you go. Patreon's out there. Just head out to theaverageguy.tv. Look for the Patreon link right-hand side down just a little bit. Boom. Click it or go to theaverageguy.tv slash support. And we all didn't right. prep the people last week for Amazon Prime Day, but I'm sure um, all the listeners remembered. Yeah, it was, was it as gimmicky this year as it was? I mean, last year Pretty was much. really bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. So but it, there were some decent deals out there, but most of the stuff was still very like, it's a garage sale that someone's trying to convince you that you need all the stuff that they have they don't want anymore. So it's more <laughs> of more or less what it was. The garage sale of of Amazon. Yeah. Well, we're we're back. Uh, we're we're back. Uh, unlike a garage sale, we're back uh, talking about Bitcoin. In uh, Edward, we had you on. I'm going to say it's show 223, which I think would have been July 25th of 2016. And no, I didn't remember that off the top of my head. I actually went out and looked at it. But Edward, welcome back to Home Gadget Geeks. Yeah. How is this unlike a garage sale? I was just trying to find a smooth segue. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, Mike and I joke all the time. We try to all be saying something, and then we'll say something else totally unrelated. And, uh, we try to find the most creative way to segue uh, between, those, between those two things. Uh, when we had you on last year uh, talking about Bitcoin, um, we actually 
uh, we we've seen a rise in the Bitcoin. I think you know you kind of you kind of predicted it. You said it will do these things, and I'm not going to say I went yeah yeah sure whatever right. But I think everybody's had a little healthy speculation. I'm sorry, little healthy um, investment. No, they're they're a little they're a little uh, cautious with Bitcoin still. I think people are still in that in that boat. We're going to bring some new news to it, but. Um, Bitcoin has cha has moved. It's gone up in value, right? If we think about July of last year, I think we were at like two. Let me see if I even put it in the show notes. Maybe like a two eighty six or a three something, maybe. And yeah, what's? It, go ahead. When it was when it was hovering down at two hundred, it was quite a while down there, and I, uh, I I was a little little nervous. I thought it was gonna crater and just be done. You know, that's always in the back of my head. But uh, yeah, it, it it made a comeback. So. Yeah, and so what, where's it at today? If I were if I were selling or buying Bitcoin, what what uh, what would be the price today? About six fifty. Oh. Well. Yeah, that's significantly more. That's like double from what you and what you and I talked about just a year ago. Uh, if I had you know if I had just uh, bought one or two Bitcoins last yep. year, I would have doubled uh, the value in that. And I think it's been a pretty it's been a pretty even move from the three hundreds to the six hundreds, right? Has if we think between July of this year to July of today, pretty pretty steady growth, or have there been any big move moves either way, kind of based on no, that? it's it's been pretty steady. I mean, there's just been uh, a lot of global factors and uh, uh, general news filtering in improvements, and uh, nothing really. Uh, I mean, the highest it's gotten is was like seven fifty or something at one point, just spiked up a little bit. But so it's it's settled at six fifty, which is not a uh, huge difference, but it's uh, uh, five, five of the last six years, um, it's been the best performing currency uh, globally, so wow. it's, doing, it's doing all right. Yeah. Well, for folks uh, who didn't listen to 223, let's get to know you just a little bit. So tell us a little bit about like who you are, your business here in town, how it fits into the, Bit the Bitcoin infrastructure or, or ecosystem. Just give us, kind of catch us up a little bit. Sure. So uh, my company is Alpha Bitcoin. Um, we've been around for approaching three years now, and we have a uh, uh, Bitcoin kiosk, also known as a BTM versus an ATM, at Exarban uh, uh, Village, uh, Jones Brothers Cupcakes. And uh, his name is Jonas, but that's really neither, neither here nor there. Um, and uh, he he dispenses Bitcoin to people who give him cash. So if you wanted to buy some Bitcoin, as Jim was just mentioning, uh, you can bring $1 in and you can get $1 worth of Bitcoin. You can bring $500 in and get $500 worth of Bitcoin. Um, and then that will be deposited either onto a paper wallet, which I don't have an example of here, but it's a piece of paper with a QR, two QR codes, a public and a private key. Or you can also get it on, uh, have it deposited onto your phone or a web wallet, in which case the public key would be scanned to deposit the money, and the private key would then be uh, held by you, you know, secretly, ideally. So. Yeah, and we talk in depth about that the last, a year ago when we had you on. I don't think the mechanics of Bitcoin have changed in a year, right? I mean, it's still nope. pretty <laughs> much the same business, right? From yep. from that standpoint. So if you you're interested in that, I would send you back. Just go to theaverageguy.tv slash HGG to, what did I say, 223? Uh, we'll get you there, and uh, you can kind of go back and, and, and catch up. What's uh, We brought you on because we kind of want to know what's new in the Bitcoin space. What what do we know today that we didn't know? So we know 
the price doubled. And it's is it before we move on to that, is it gonna still continue to just grow or should it, based on the math, should it just continue to grow at a pretty steady pace for the next year or two or three? What's that gonna oh maybe how that has to do with one of the stories you're gonna talk about? Uh, no, I I, I did touch I might have touched on it two twenty three, but I um I, I do think when I spoke at the at Infotech like two years ago or whenever it was that you interviewed me that first time, the uh that I had a linear progression, and that's kind of my prediction that it'll hit. Uh, I don't remember what, what period it was, but the, you know, I, I had said it was going to be 15 grand per Bitcoin at a certain time. It might have been the uh, end of mining, um, but anyway. So uh, I, I suspect I think it's going to be fairly linear, barring anything. I mean, you could always say there's going to be. Uh, you start to see a pattern of a high high jump, and then it kind of settles down into the middle of that. Uh, about halfway up and down. I'm sure there's some uh, algorithmic or, or uh, algebraic uh, reason for that. But anyways, it uh, overall, though, it's generally gone that, that path uh, up uh, to where we're at right now. And if you want to follow, what's the best way? I think you had, uh, coin, is it Coinbase? Is that one of the... Um, yeah. Is it right, one of this, and it's just C O I N B A S E, right? Coinbase.com is a place you can open an account if you wanted to do uh, Bitcoin. Um, you could go out there and open an account. I I remember looking. Let's see if I can find the. Um, your your best place for like charts and stuff like that, if you want to get into that kind of the technical side of things from a trading perspective and such, would be uh, something like a blockchain.info. They've got a pretty extensive charts page where you can look at some of the historical stuff that we're referring to right now. Blockchain.info. Yeah. That might just help to have that because uh, I know there was a suite when we were when you had we had you on a year ago. I was looking at a suite annual chart. Um, and so I probably look at the in a, they have a currency statistics and then I'm going to look at the market price in U.S. dollars. So you're right. Yep. Um, there is as I'm looking at since August 15th a little bit of a dip after we had you on in July a little bit of a dip uh, maybe into the 240s 230 maybe as low uh, by August uh, no by November a spike back up a little bit then down and then a little bit up and then down a little bit up so it's kind of moving but it's if you I think if you put a line over it it would Correct. be fairly linear yeah I mean if you look at like in January of 14 it was at 136 and then you trace that all the way over to where you were just looking of January uh, January July of 15 I mean there you could draw a line all the way back to day one essentially through that kind of uh, transition so yeah let me let me sh I'll show that so if you're uh, if you're a um, if you're a video watcher or the audio listener, and, and this is none of this is making sense, you can head over to the video as well, or head over to blockchain.info and get it. But there's a good look at the, there's a kind of good look at the chart. Not exact straight line, uh, but I, definitely, Bitcoin is probably one of those things. If you're using it for utility, in other words, if you're trading across borders or doing some of those kinds of things, those transactions are happening pretty fast, and probably the market price doesn't matter. As much, but if it's a buy and a buy and hold, and you're looking at it as maybe a growth investment of some kind, well, so far, I mean, it, it still continues to do pretty well um, okay. from a growth standpoint. And I think you're, you've always said uh, in the couple times I've interviewed you that uh, it'll probably continue to do that just based on the math, right? Yeah, it's still nerve wracking, but I've I've become more confident in, in buying into the dips, or regardless of the price, and yeah. Uh, 
Good. And then the the BTM at Jones Brothers. We know Jones Brothers here in the Omaha area for pretty good cupcakes. Yep. Uh, but you you've got a BTM there. Does that do pretty well from a usage standpoint? Is it picking up pretty steady? How's we that working? About, um, yeah, we've. I mean, over the past year alone, we've we've grown probably almost d double transactions, um, or I should say, revenue. But um, on on average, we do about 50 transactions uh, per month. Um, so we do over 10 grand a month as well in gross uh, gross volume. Yeah, and so pretty faithful. I imagine the transaction volume comes from some pretty faithful customers. Well, that, but also uh, uh, CryptoLocker uh, is the other main driver mm. there, where people are showing up. So people are showing up because they've got ransomware, yep. right? It's on their yep. computer, and 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 people are requiring Bitcoin purchases. Yep. Pretty brutal. Do you see those on a transaction by transaction basis, or is that blocked from you being able to see dollar yeah. amounts? Um, I, I no, I, I do see dollar amounts, but somebody could be buying. $700 because they're infected or somebody could be paying $700 because they enjoy the currency. So Yeah, 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 yeah. So, cool. Well, when we think about what's um, what's been going on in the year in the last year or so, what, what you've got a couple stories that I think you can update us on. What's new in the world of Bitcoin and why should we care about it? I mean, why should we still care about it? I, I think there's still, Edward, a fairly yawn approach for most people of kind of like, hey, yeah, okay, whatever. It was hot for a while. Most people can't mine coins anymore, so it doesn't make any sense, right, yep. to do that. Why should we still be interested in this? I think it's, uh, you know, the Brexit would be probably the nearest and dearest to my heart in, <laughs> in why we should care about uh, uh, Bitcoin. I mean, they obviously are trying, Britain is obviously trying to uh, uh, flee from a, a risky uh, engagement that uh, a bunch of countries decided to put themselves into, and you've got people like Greece and Italy uh, dragging everybody down, and uh, they would like some some sovereignty, and they'd like some uh, stable currency, and and uh, I think that's what we all want. Yeah. And so. So how does how does that affect? Uh, and I haven't I haven't stayed up with that when we think of Brexit, and I haven't stayed up with that as far as how that fits into Bitcoin. So so. Kind of bridge that gap for me. Sure. So people are um, in in the midst of the Brexit uh, uh, decision and vote, or in the leap, especially people are saying, okay, well, the pound is going to collapse. You know, the pound is going to be really hurt if we decide to do this. And so they did it, and then the pound did collapse, or a little bit. Um, not too bad. I mean, I think in the greater, you know, just like the market crash of 2008, we're now seeing stock market highs. Like it's it's like. Eventually, the pound will just be fine, and it was all a bunch of hype. But in the meantime, people are saying it makes people think about what's what is their money tied into, what is what is what drives it, and so they are. Um, if if these politicians are making decisions, and those decisions are are impacting the value of their money, whether it's inflation, etc., then they are looking for uh, alternatives or things that they can control, uh, which would be. Uh, something like Bitcoin, where it's uh, not tied to the political decisions of uh, institutions and uh, uh, government bodies. So, if Bitcoin isn't tied to those, and then there's still, I mean, there's still pretty good swings in it. What kind of things are causing those spikes and dips? Sure. Uh, is, um, is it a, is it a speculative? Is it highly speculative from that standpoint, or what's causing some of those? I think it's a um, the question of uh, 
if we can't if we can't control it is that you know i if there is no federal reserve what are we willing to accept those risks and and live with them for a a greater good if you will or greater a bigger picture which would be um, there is no fed controlling bitcoin which means it is going to float at a free market uh, price and and in the longer run as we've just kind of outlined that is not a negative thing that has been just fine for it for the past uh, uh, six or eight years now so um, I, I, so I don't say so yeah, I don't something like Brexit something like I mean we saw the same thing when when Greece happened it's just a main I mean it, it accentuates the what Bitcoin is which at the end of the day despite the fact that we just talked about it as a commodity it is a vehicle to transmit value across the world regardless of where I am regardless of where you are and so I am in Greece and I am able to take that cash purchase Bitcoin and I can then hold my money in Bitcoin and then someday when I uh, travel to my new job in Scotland or wherever um, since that's going to be the new financial hub supposedly uh, when I travel to Scotland I can then withdraw that Bitcoin and I have not lost my money I've not lost value like the the uh, Grecian currency did so although you could lose value if it itself had gone through a cycle of some kind and Bitcoin has lost value in that process right it's not it it has its right. own yes. value. Associated. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. giving an example of what drives it, and that being that it, in an instance where it went up, you know, an instance where it went down is the, um, uh, you know, government issuing a negative opinion about it. You know, that would be a driver of why it would go down. Um, and so then, so to that point, while it is, while it is susceptible to, um, uh, I would say, <clears throat> it is not. Okay, so so the dollar. If I'm gonna, if I have a dollar now, tomorrow it's worth 97 cents because of inflation or whatever. It is the the um, the utility of Bitcoin does not change over time. It is still a utilitarian uh, means of conveying value, but it is um, uh, it is still susceptible to news. It is not susceptible to uh, government control and government decisions. Yeah. Did it respond to the Brexit? Um, yeah. When that happened, did it go up? I, yeah, I that's what you're seeing right? there. That spike? Yeah, at the end of uh, just the past couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever. That is the that, I, I attribute it largely to Brexit, but nobody really knows. But right, right. Yeah. From the standpoint, well, not not to get not to get into that too much, but when we think about, um, it, it, we can mention it again. This is a uh, eventually the blockchains will be complete. Went right, right. Eventually, the all, all the everything in the system will will have been used up from that standpoint. When, uh, when I'll, no, I'll I'll stop yeah, you there. I don't, yeah. I, the the, the rewards, the mining rewards, or the distribution of the currency will be complete in twenty one forty. The currency at that point, I I can't see that far into the future, but the currency at that point would be stable, would meet, would have reached an, uh, uh, the perfect e equilibrium, if you will, of what, um, of the amount of money necessary for miners to continue doing their thing, and that will uh, make them continue to secure the network, which will make it uh, be available for people to uh, build code on. So. Okay. But it will, the mining will be complete, the blockchain will be complete, right? From from that standpoint, am I am I? 
Yes, that is, is that, yes. Is that's too simplistic, probably. No, that's fine. The, yeah, yeah, I just want to I, I just want to differentiate between the rewards that are, are new in Bitcoin that is generated versus the rewards that are generated for mining, which will essentially never stop yeah. because that's just cyclical. So Right, right. Okay. So, and, and then 2140 is what yes. you said. Yes. So we got a while. I mean, this isn't, we're <laughs> not, like, we're, we're thinking uh, 2140, most of us are not going to live. I know. That, That's crazy. That long, right? Yeah. So this will just keep, this should, in theory, should just keep rolling along. When we, when you think about the work that you do and most people, what are most people doing with Bitcoin right now? I mean, really, how is it, how is it being used in most cases? We, we mentioned the ransomware. It has become yep. real popular, right, for, for people to be able to pay the ransomware folks. But, what other ways, or or what are you seeing from a popularity standpoint? <laughs> um, you can buy drugs with it. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to go down that path. Well, yeah, but, I, but <laughs> so same with money, right? I mean, uh, that that like, that cash, <laughs> U.S. Yeah. dollars are still pretty good yeah. at that. But it has some advantages from a from a transactional standpoint when we think about crossing borders and some of those kind, you know. Uh, being able to purchase, not you know, when we talked to you the last time. You said one of the advantages is I can buy Bitcoin with U.S. dollars and convert those to, let's say, the pound, uh, yep. and and I, I don't, I'm not paying those transactional fees across Correct. those banks, right? Yep. Is that is it is it is that gaining in popularity or, or or more people using it for that kind of transaction, or is that kind of steadied out? So. Since we since we'll bring this up, or since this was one of the things I was uh, wanting to touch on, the idea that we've seen a lot of um, over the past year, there's been a lot of uh, different, alt, which we touched on last time, I think a little bit, with all these altcoins out there. People are building new blockchains, building new uh, coins that are that are either have a specific purpose or a specific advantage, or they do something a little bit different. Whether it's they're faster or they're more anonymous than. Uh, than Bitcoin, so um, I, I would say that the uh, Bitcoin is at the end of the day. I think Bitcoin will ultimately be um, more of an API and more of a backend um, uh, way of uh, again building code upon something. It will not necessarily be the front end. Uh, what the user actually directly interfaces with, and so to them, it would be fairly transparent whether the application is using Bitcoin um, on the back end to pass money across borders, uh, versus if they wanted to do something that was truly anonymous, it would take a little bit more of a technical know-how. Not to say that cartels don't have that by any means, but then it, they would probably there are other coins out there or other services out there that would be used better used or used in conjunction with Bitcoin. So as a standalone while people use it now because it is um, it is the the best um, I think uh, and if you want to remain anonymous there are other options out there. So, so. do you see like any because it's funny, when I talk to anyone at school or just have conversations about Bitcoin, a lot of them revolve around like, oh, I wish I would have bought some then because the price has doubled. And it's almost as like an investment sort of thing instead of an actual use of Bitcoin to do transactions. When yep. you guys are looking at uh, use cases for Bitcoin, are mostly are people looking at it as an investment or are people looking at it as, hey, I need this to use online or actually use in purchases, I guess? Um, for the most part, there are uh, only a f there are probably you know there are a few people that come. I'll say the people that are um, uh, 
uh, attend the meetups, attend the Bitcoin meetups here in Omaha. Those are more along the lines of the folks that would uh, buy and hold. Right. Uh, the, the people that use the kiosk are the people that use it for transaction purposes. Okay. And and then you've got this whole other group of people, which are the folks that have TD Ameritrade accounts and Charles Schwab accounts. And I would say they are the ones buying uh, the ETFs that are tied to uh, the Bitcoin price, and so they're not even in Bitcoin, but they are benefiting from or susceptible to the volatility and the uh, price rises. So those are the three, I think, I haven't really given it much thought, but those are the three main categories of people I would put out there that I run into on a regular basis. Interesting. Edward, has has there been any high-profile, high or when we think about, you know, it's it's supposed to be a secure way of doing it, can, can it? Have people figured out how to game it? Can it be hacked? Is it uh, so, uh, again, speaking of altcoins, because Bitcoin itself, um, the answer is no. There are obviously uh, co companies, there are uh, regularly companies that uh, practice just poor security uh, protocols, whether that's Bitcoin-related or any other thing, uh, <laughs> as, you are, as you're well aware. And so, um, <laughs> uh, and so, the, the, while there, while while it has, while there are uh, companies that have been hacked um, that are in the Bitcoin industry, it's not necessarily because of Bitcoin. That being said, going back to the whole altcoin um, conversation, Ethereum is one of the biggest. Uh, well, yeah, it's one of the biggest uh, uh, market uh, by market cap. It's one of the biggest uh, altcoins out there, and it really is. I mean. Their, their goals were good, their ambitions were good, um, I had high hopes for it, uh, it was finally going to be, uh, uh, resolve some of the, it had, it had a little more of a mainstream feel to it, it wasn't so, like, it didn't have all the baggage associated with it that Bi the Bitcoin name had associated with it, um, IBM was working with Ethereum, stuff like that, so, I was hopeful, and then uh, they released their um, large, uh, their large, Decentralized Anonymous Organization, the DAO, um, or DAO, and the DAO was this big, uh, basically this big nebulous cloud computer or uh, coin that would allow you to code or vote in, uh, in a large, large scale across the globe. And so those, um, they they offered this IPO, which everybody could invest into the DAO. And then they raised 150 million dollars. You may have seen some news about it. And then, uh, and then, uh, then because of the way it was coded by the folks that, that released it, um, it the somebody got in there, exploited it, and and uh, absconded it with 50 million of the 150 million dollars that they had uh, raised for their IPO. So. <laughs> Um, so yes, those things happen, but not to Bitcoin, uh, real at least not recently. I should say it's not. It, it just hasn't. I mean, there are there are. I can give you some micro instances years and years and years ago, but that's not what we're talking about. So those things do happen. Sadly, the um, they had to make the decision to. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're in the software world or programming at all, they wound up doing, um, or what I think they're going to do is essentially a hard fork. So they're going to basically redo the algorithms or redo the software and the coding behind their uh, coin and behind the DAO in order to recover uh, or make everybody whole that invested their $150 million in and at the same time lock out or push out the hacker and his $50 million is now useless. 
So I gotcha. So like a re-engineering of the system to that's not in the hacker's favor. Yes, and, it, and it's very it's disappointing. I mean, not only just because it was an interesting idea, but uh, but I think the the hard fork is the wrong decision, and uh, not everybody agrees with me on that, obviously. But I, I uh, it shows uh, the human desire for uh, uh, avoid the hard consequences, uh, even at the risk of uh, things like. Uh, the ability to make a decision and just stick with it, you know, like now the leadership saying, "We want our money back," instead of saying, "Our coin is still the best out there." So, right, yeah, it it does kind of put the it does give the the concept of bloody nose, you know, when <laughs> you hear about these things and you're like, "Wait a minute, they stole a third yeah. of what you just raised," and sure. and and I'm assuming uh, from the story that when they stole a third, it just stayed in Bitcoin. I mean, it just stayed in the coin itself. They didn't actually withdraw that in hard, hard dollars, did they? So they would have likely, if this hard fork wasn't occurring, which I still don't even know for sure it is, but the, the, if the hard fork wasn't occurring, then they would have had, there was like a 30-day window where the, the, the way the code was written, you just couldn't do anything with your money in those 30 days. So at the end of the 30 days, he would have had the Ethereum available to him, at which point he probably would have switched that over to Bitcoin, converted it to Bitcoin, and then he could have eventually gotten it into, into hard dollars. You would have to do it in small chunks, obviously, but uh, that would have been uh, uh, likely what he had done if he did want uh, U.S. dollars. It, it does sound a little bit like the plot of a James Bond movie. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to lie, right? You yeah. got that <laughs> Ethereum, the name Ethereum, and nodes <laughs> and a hard fork, and hackers yeah. and you know attackers and... No, we're going to shut this down. Oh, it's a 30-day windowing <laughs> to write the code within 30 days. Do you think, does an event like this kind of set, have a setback for Bitcoin? Um, I, I think the fact that it was the first organi organization that was not, uh, it was the first, I think it has a positive impact I'll put the positive spin on it first, but yes, I think it has a negative spin from, impact from Bitcoin. But I think the positive spin is it was the first AI uh, corporation to ever raise that much money. Like that is a if you think about like you know you talk about people putting their hands lives in the hands of robots, like that was the first time they had ever uh, tried it essentially in that large of a scale, and they and they pulled it off. They raised 150 million dollars. I mean. You, you know, you got to, I don't know why we haven't gotten back to the moon yet after 30 years, but, you know, I think you've got to do something to get off, you know, go. And, and I think that was a valiant first effort, and, and they really did a good job despite what actually happened later. So, Yeah, so the, in the article that you, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, uh, it says the aftermath. It says, it seems at this point that the Dow will die and that, that Dow token holders will get somewhere between zero and and 100% of, of their ether back, right? Which is, you know, that sentence by itself, it's like, um, okay, Captain Obvious. I mean, that's not being, that's not being very risky. Yeah, you're going to get somewhere between zero and all of it back. Well, geez. Uh, so there's still, I, but that tells me, as there's still, at least at the time of this writing, there's still a lot of uncertainty about exactly what's going to happen, right? But again, it goes to, um, which which highlights another feature, um, and it's something that hasn't been done before, and it's like, we talk about these things just like, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're happening in the shadows, I guess, and, and, and you think about it, and, and someday these won't be uh, uh, 
just amazing firsts for mankind, essentially. I mean, we're talking about firsts for mankind in all these aspects, and, and everybody's kind of like, yeah, Bitcoin, yeah, maybe that'll be popular someday. And, but so that being said, like the way the DAO, the hard fork versus soft fork is happening, and the way which another, uh, uh, the way the, um, this will transition us into talking about the different uh, Bitcoin ver uh, versions. But anyways, the way the, the hard fork versus soft fork is happening is people who've never met each other before and are spread all over the world are voting using their coins. And so even the fact that they're they're able to make a decision with with that type of uh, uh, user base is amazing. Like they're, I mean, you know, we can't get most of the United States to vote. Versus, and they've got like all these Ethereum users who are saying yes, I want a hard fork, or no, I want a hard fork, and um, and they're able to they're able to count those votes without question of the integrity. Um, you know, we 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 question the integrity of voting in the U.S. and these people are voting with no question of is this a legit decision or not. You know, so. Um, but that's the same way that so you'll hear you'll hear also talked about uh, Bitcoin Core versus Bitcoin Classic, um, and, and and the same thing is happening there as people are using their servers, their mining machines essentially. I'll, I might be oversimplifying it, but they're using their servers and their uh, wallets to vote on what version, um, uh, what type, uh, the core. What uh, the what what version of the software they're going to use? So I'll say that's that's all I'll say. The the um, so there's Bitcoin Core, which has been around for eight years or however long now, and there's Bitcoin Classic. And the main issue was um, I think this might have been happening last time, even though we talked. <laughs> it's been going on for a long time. The main question is how many how big is a block? Which is you know when you're mining, you've got block size limitation of one megabyte because, you know, people talk about did Satoshi write that in for, on purpose for security purposes or decentralization or did he write it because he was short-sighted and didn't know that someday we'd have faster computers and stuff like that. So so Bitcoin Classic was an attempt to uh, raise the block size and so I, I think that uh, there, are, there are Bitcoin people. Are, people like myself are referred to as Bitcoin maximalists or absolutists, and that being that uh, the core should never change. Like it's always going to be the core, and the core devs are the people that fix it and decide to release paths and stuff like that. So, Classic uh, had made a made a made an attempt to kind of hijack the whole infrastructure. Um, and again, the way people vote on that is. By using their computers, and, and again, that's that's done globally um, by people who don't know each other. They just have a stake in the system. So, it's it's interesting when you say that because it, it when you add f uh, some financial accountability to the voting piece, it kind of changes the stakes, right? Yeah. I mean, I think here in the United States we have a terrible voting problem, right? And you know we're supposed to be the land of democracy and blah blah blah. We vote. We're terrible voters, right? I mean, I think. In, in the last probably 30 to 50 years, we have not, we just don't turn out for general elections or for anything uh, for the most part. Um, and yet, uh, I wonder if, if there were more, and you know, there are, there's a lot at stake during an election, and yet people just won't do it. We've got one coming up here in November, which will be kind of interesting to say the least. I think it's going to see record, record lows, right? <laughs> I mean, I just, it's going to be crazy. But when we think about the blockchain, is besides transaction from a from a money standpoint, from a value standpoint, are there other ways? You, you talk about this voting, but are there other ways for the blockchain to be useful beyond just 
you know, beyond value from that standpoint. I, yeah, I think when you focus on, like I was talking to somebody about doing some a project in Africa, and, and when you start to focus on more about uh, the concept of, uh, we think, we, we automatically go from the idea of trust to, I think just mentally or the way we're programmed is we go to dollars. We go to money because that's what usually people are talking about Bitcoin because of the price and stuff. But I think when you start to just focus on the, the trust part of that, I think the main, the, the biggest, uh, the main purpose of, uh, of Bitcoin is to allow us to work with somebody, work with a, somebody in a tribe or whatever, or somebody that we've never met before in Africa and, and give them, uh, tools or give them money and give them something of value and we trust that they've received it and and so then um, th that's where I think that the main you know you talk about again somewhere like uh, I'll use Greece as another example um, you know it, it, if they're in dire straits uh, there's a, there's just a higher probability that they might abscond or you know they might they might cipher off a little bit of the money as it makes its way through the country to the person you intended to send it to. So I think, again, going back to this idea of trust, that you, you're trusting that Bitcoin will be the means to get the money there into the hands that you intended. Yeah, and all of it there. Yes. yes. Right. And the, not, not just bits and pieces of it, but all of it right. there. It can't yes. be shaved off, right? You can't, you can't, uh, in transit, you can't shave off bits of it. Correct. Yes. Yeah. From, from that standpoint. Yes. Um, other Jim in the chat room says, when we were talking about the voting piece, he says, yeah, but rich early investors can vote to go in a direction that helps them then sell before the consequences hit. Is that, is that when we... Because it, so the more Bitcoin you have, the more of a vote you have? Um, no, not necessarily, no. I, um, I, so now you kind of touched on the idea of proof of stake versus proof of work. Um, who the, the main folks that are actually voting on Bitcoin and which way to do it um, and uh, would be the miners. And so there's a video by Andreas Antonopoulos, if you really want to dive into that topic, that uh, talks about the... Uh, I could try to find it for you, but it's the five parties that are all held accountable and all held in checks and balances between each other in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So if the miners choose something, if they choose the wrong thing, they're going to alienate uh, a large user base, a large percentage of the user base. And so even if it might, uh, they might have an opinion, but whether they execute on that to actually make any changes, like like stasis, like this idea of equilibrium again, is the perfect spot for Bitcoin to, to not have any changes because then it just can operate as it's meant to be. When you start making changes, you, you start to risk that. And then if the price goes up or down, that impacts the miners negatively because they don't make as much money anymore because people aren't going to use it as much because they're going to get ticked or get out or whatever. So... So there's there it, it, while the large owners have a were were great obviously uh, hugely benefited by their their early entry into the system there was a there's a lot of reward there um, and, and that does decrease the total amount in circulation for everybody else at this point um, I don't think at some point I think they'll uh, th those those wallets will start to loosen up and they'll that money will work its way into the system somehow I think so yeah so uh, the consumer decides to not trust. So the miners make a decision. It's not in favor of the consumer. The consumers decide not to trust it and pull out. That lack of demand drives the price down. Now the miners are no longer getting the value that they once were, right? That's kind of, that's how you're yep. implying. So if there was a mass exodus, so to speak, or a run on Bitcoin, 
that run would cause the price to drop in the market. If um, so, if people are getting out, they're going to sell their Bitcoin. I'm willing to take 644, 645 instead of my 650. And yes, you eventually see this this drop. It would see it from so from that standpoint, it would follow kind of a standard market. Yeah. Uh, pressures that when you have more sellers than buyers, the price is going to drop down and and it's going to yep. be affected. So yeah, so that does bring some accountability into it. It's a big system, so it's hard for sometimes that accountability. I imagine is worked out over weeks or months as opposed to days. In yep. uh, some of that, and they're like, "Ooh, we we made a bad decision. <laughs> like we're going to have to loosen back up again or whatever, right?" There's been a lot of uh, uh, a lot around, especially around the concept of uh, core versus um, classic. There's been a lot of meetings that didn't occur before um, with the the major players, such as the miners, such as the uh, programmers, is, um, that that are trying that they are trying to work this out. I mean, it's been a, again, it's like uh, uh, anything as far as you know the the, the benefits have been. There have been great benefits, even though it's been a painful debate and people have been kind of gotten upset and gotten mad at each other and stuff. But in the end, it's been overall, it's been a positive for the community. I think. Yeah. Who who remind me? Who are the miners? You know, it used to be anybody could be a miner, but now <laughs> the energy to create a Bitcoin is not worth the value of it, right? Today, I'm yep. assuming that's still true. Gets gets more complicated and takes more physical energy to produce Bitcoin today. The farther you go in the chain. The, even the, that gets even more and more taxing. So who are who is mining? Who what? Where where is that world and how does it exist? Yeah, so I, that is probably one of the uh, one of my greatest concerns as far as uh, if I were to, if I had any nagging questions would be the fact that the large concentration of miners in China is probably one of my biggest uh, concerns. But the there are um, so yes to your point. There's there's mainly uh, large warehouses that are uh, have huge fans, uh, great ventilation, and uh, uh, beds for the workers who are there 24/7, basically babysitting these servers. And um, when you know when they have crazy infrastructure that if a server goes offline, they go pull it off the shelf and replace the fan and put it back up there type thing. Um, it's uh, I mean it's an amazing. Feet of engineering that that I there's actually more um, I want to say five or seven or something like that there's some there's more more uh, computing power in the blockchain that's like five times Google or something like that it's something crazy as far as uh, so more power to create the blockchain or to 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 secure it secure yeah, it right because it's creating yes. these security these these numbers ultimately come down to encryption. Which allows that to be decrypted and, and all those pieces, but it's taking so much effort now to get that done. So, are you telling me so it's it's working in China because of economies of scale, from a technology standpoint, and or because the power is free? Because the I mean, how is that from an economy standpoint? How does that work? Um, so it is working in China because one of the they were the one of the they were some of the largely because of their development of our ability to manufacture the silicone mm. and develop the chips that that were uh, are used nowadays in mining um, when they were coming off the assembly line they went right into the the hands of the the Chinese nationals there and they went over and popped them in their warehouses and started mining um, it would have been great if uh, we here in the United States could have gotten a few more of those but uh, that did not happen so they have uh, that's one of their advantages, and then yes, the fact that I can um, 
basically uh, uh, shave some of the shielding off of uh, the the line outside my house and uh, connect my uh, my electric <laughs> electrical circuit to the uh, pole. That is a, another um, one of the the beauties of uh, unregulated economies <laughs> like theirs, or uh, unregulated infrastructures like theirs. If I if I wanted to mine today, would I need a special chip to do it? Uh, in other yeah, words? that's not the ASICs. You'd still need an ASIC, which is a specific integrated circuit, something application specific integrated circuit. Yeah. And are they making those, or has everyone that has been made been made? And and no, uh, they do the the again the shelf life. I mean, there's not um, they make them and they make some in the U.S. Um, but the the, the manufacturers have greatly consolidated, which would be another kind of story from the past year. Is a lot of consolidation, mergers, and acquisitions amongst the um, in the Bitcoin world. The company that built the first, uh, really the first most successful ASIC, um, and started that whole uh, development cycle, um, really was um, they were just actually acquired in, by a public company in China, so they're actually on the stock exchange now. Um, and then uh, you've got uh, companies, or the Winklevoss twins of uh, Facebook fame. They uh, they have their ETF, which is actually launching on the Bats uh, trading platform, which is out of Kansas City. So that's kind of a, a little hometown or a Midwest uh, success story there of uh, bringing those guys into the uh, the Great Plains. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure Ryan's all over that with the Silicon Prairie News, but. It um, all right, so that kind of makes sense to me. So when we think about miners, those are the ones physically doing it. But are the chip manufacturers a, a, a subset of that economy since they're providing the equipment to it, or they get lumped in with the miners? Uh, I would lump them in with the miners. Okay. They don't. They don't care what the what the. They just want to get paid for the chip. Right. So they're creating the chip in its process out of the die. It gets shipped to whoever's going to buy it. I'm assuming there's yep. some. There's, I'm, so, I'm assuming there's a market for these chips as well. Oh, and yeah. That price, that price probably continues to go up and fluctuate, uh, right? Yeah, so you've got the, you've got, uh, I want to say Moore's Law, I don't know if I'm, I can't, uh, uh, whatever the law is where, yeah. you know, the, it gets, the t- things get faster over time. And so, so the shelf life, that's why it's so important that when you, when you, when it comes off the line, it gets put into a rack as quickly as possible because it's got a, a finite shelf life before it becomes not profitable to mine anymore. Uh, so, um, other areas um, of, uh, of mining is also like Greenland because they they've got cold temperatures and so they have uh, efficient uh, mining operations there because uh, they can regulate the temperature a lot easier. So, um, and, and miners are miners are different than I won't be able to go into too technical of an explanation of it, but there's there's miners and then there's nodes. And nodes, again, are, are another one of those, I think they're on his list of five parties that are involved. And and nodes are kind of feeding the transactions to the miners. And so as, well, I guess what would be more concerning, I should say, would be is if there was a high concentration of nodes somewhere. Nodes are actually... Um, oh, and I should, uh, I should get to that link. But anyways, um, nodes are actually... Uh, are fairly fairly well spread out across the uh, across the United States and across the world as a whole, and so those those are those are those are one of the parties that are coming and checking the miners basically. So they're when they bring something in, the miners are doing the math on the back end, and then everybody's got to be 
then they've got to send everything back out to the nodes essentially to say everything's good. Here's the latest version. Let's keep plugging away. And so that's kind of uh, if the nodes were in a in a in concentrated in China, that would be a big issue because then you've got the miners and the nodes next to each other, um, and they could be in cahoots. So. Got it. Got it. But any, anybody can run a node. Um, there was a company uh, twenty one. Uh, 21.co, I believe, is their website. They uh, released, um, and I we could uh, so they so 21.co released a um, a tiny Bitcoin uh, node, and you're able to uh, it's basically Linux running the Bitcoin wallet, um, but you're able to um, uh, when you, it it makes it a lot more accessible for people to go buy this device. Plug it in, just like a, basically like a Raspberry Pi. You could plug it, plug in twenty of them in your house. They're all running, you know, they connect to the wireless, or whatever. They're all running, the, you know, they're, all these nodes are now running in your house. Well, the other thing about that is they're 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 gathering dust, if you will, or they're able to transact easier. So it, it, at some point, you can turn on some functionality that makes it a wallet, and you can then become a. Uh, We'll say if you if you were and then you the next step would be running like a web server essentially or running you actually run an application that the public could access and you could basically people would pay you to use the um, uh, to use your application that you built using the Bitcoin uh, protocol. So that was fairly large because that was uh, Andreessen Horowitz, one of the largest venture capital firms in California, uh, launched twenty one. And they uh, they're on sale at, in at Amazon, and so it's an easy way to get just to add another node to the network uh, for the for the good of everybody, and to start dabbling with uh, Bitcoin and uh, doing microtransactions and whatnot. And how much are those nodes? If I were to go to buy one, what's the? I want to say I want to say like four hundred dollars. Oh really? That's pretty expensive. Uh, it is, yes. Yeah. So there's not. So there's this whole. There was there were a lot of memes and stuff about how it was like just this giant racket. Like people were, they were, you know, it was like Nike shoes. Why are Nike shoes three hundred dollars? Because they're Nike. Like there's no added value to the fact that you now have Nike shoes. Like you might as well just run in the Bitcoin wallet on your uh, on your Linux computer, and you'd have the exact same thing that that they're selling you four hundred dollars for. Um, so it was just basically a, a Raspberry Pi with a brand on it. Um, but Anyway, so so yes, I think that, but I think that's the way things are going, and I think even if they didn't sell out, if they didn't sell a whole bunch of them, I think what it did was allowed them to say, um, ultimately, it allows them to say, what else can we pre-install Bitcoin on, and then you start to talk about the Internet of Things and the ability of, if my cell phone, I don't care if my cell phone has an IP address anymore, I care about does it have a wallet address. And so when I'm with you in the, we're sitting next to each other. If Bitcoin's pre-installed, I've got a wallet. I can just I can send you money using NFC or Bluetooth without having to say, "Huh, do you have a wallet? You know, did you what what phone do you have?" Blah blah. We can transact because that device came with Bitcoin out of the box. And I think that's the longer play of like where everything will have a wallet on it eventually, just like everything has an IP address right now. Yeah. Mike, uh, when we uh, when you think about this, where you're at in life, right? Getting ready to buy a house, getting ready to have some kids. You weren't here the last time we talked about this. You get like, what what do you think about when you think about Bitcoin? I mean, does this entice you to say, I want to I want to find out more about this or not? It's it's always just been that intriguing 
topic to me and the intriguing thing that I like to hear people talk about. And that's why, you know, you know, so I've just been sitting here just listening because I like just hearing about it. It's fun to talk about. But as far as actually, you know, putting my money where the mouth is and, and actually doing something about it, going and buying Bitcoin, I don't think so. Just because as of right now, um, like I was telling him, you know, for me, it would be more of an investment thing. And I. I just don't know enough about it to be really, you know, I, when you invest in something, you really got to know the ins and outs. And I would have to do a lot more research into it before I felt comfortable investing in it. And beyond the investing side of things, not too many use cases for me as far as transactions or anything like that where I would ever use Bitcoin. But the use case of when you're moving countries, that's extremely interesting to me. You think of it using it as an intermediary to kind of go, hey, put it in Bitcoin, then grab it back out, you know, in a, in a different country and stuff like that. That, to me, if I was ever in that situation, uh, would actually be useful. But as far as right now, no, no, I just I can't find myself having a good use case for it. But um, I don't know. It's a little, yeah. a little too cautious, maybe. Maybe I'm a little more cautious than the average person, or maybe I'm right there with the average person. I don't know. Yeah, I... Edward, I think it's still not a great average guy thing. I mean, I love talking about it here, and that's why I keep bringing you back on about once a year to kind of get an update on it. Um, I, I still think a lot of people get confused by it. Um, I, I find when every time we talk about it, it's to me, it's terribly fascinating. I mean, I, I, I love the I love the science behind it. I love the math behind it. I love what they're trying to do. I love this open source security idea where it's like we're all keep you know the, the chain keeps everybody in check and it's it's you know I, I love everything it's a great idea I just you know I just sometimes I wonder like will this ever be a mainstream solution for some things it's not you know some people think well it's gonna supposed to replace world currency no I don't I think we had we, we talked about that the last time but do you see in the next couple of years it being more mainstream than it is today or is it always going to be really niche? I I think the 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 problem is that we are um, that that we're always going to be competing against the dollar, and and so I think that the um, whether it's a generational thing that after you and I are gone that um, it it won't matter to the next generation whether it's whether it's Bitcoin versus dollar. I think um, I I think to some degree to, to your point is this kind of utopian idea of is this really the thing we've all been waiting for, the thing we've all been thinking about and dreaming about, and, and that doesn't, like, I caught the bug early, that is what it is, and so then I think that as time goes on, and even into the next generation, then you start to say, well, oh yeah, it is here to stay, oh yes, we don't care about having our money in dollars anymore, because uh, even, the, even the stuff that's going on recently, even with Brexit and stuff like that, like, we didn't see the high the crazy swings. We saw some swing, but we didn't see the crazy swing. Like the prices, um, the price is less volatile than it than it was, um, in my opinion. Uh, in general, I think. And so, anyway, so I think that the while while people are still think the dollar is um, is a uh, uh, a safe and stable currency, then yeah, Bitcoin will it will continually be uh, uh, challenged. I, I you know I start to think about. What happens? You know, some of the world events, though, going back to world events, like what happens if type scenarios, where does that, would that, will that matter in a hundred years? I don't, you know, whether the dollar still is around or not, and then what is going to be there to fill that void? Um, I think just as a, ten, we just have a tendency to be focused on our toes and and more of a a, a, a microscopic view than what's going to happen in 100 years or 200 years and assuming it's a little bit 
we we by default we pre just presume that the dollar is still going to be what the dollar is then, but the reality is that there is a possibility where that's not the case, and then you got to ask yourself what is going to be in that void. It's either going to be a one world currency, which you touched on. I didn't say a one world currency. I said it. I said it. <laughs> I don't even. Anyways, I don't. I don't care because I'm going to be in Bitcoin, so I don't care about your one world currency. <laughs> 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 it's either going to be those are those are the alternatives I see, but it doesn't affect us now. And so yeah, I think that there are certainly uh, uh, it's not going to be uh, going viral anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, I think as we talk about this, and I think I come to this conclusion every single time we talk about it, is that I don't think it's a bad diversification strategy. Um, from you know, like I every last time we talked, I opened an account and I haven't done anything with it, but I, I should. Be I should use it in a way that I'm funding it. Uh, whether that's a I'm just going down and putting 25 bucks in and getting partial bitcoins or whatever, but mm -hmm. or I'm using it as and I, and I always I'm this this idea of using it as an investment vehicle is probably wrong, but a savings vehicle yes in the sense okay. that if I'm taking the money and I'm putting it in a place to save it, I, I think that would be a very I, to be honest with you, way more than a bank account. Like, I mean, your savings account, quarter percent interest. Like that, they are. There's, there's nothing on it. And okay. yeah, you could lose or gain. I mean, you could lose with Bitcoin, but it would be for me for a savings account that I'm that I'd be saving. You know, for whatever, right, emergency or whatever. I know I can get money back out of it today. I could, I can go in and deposit money at the BTM at Jones Brothers. If I needed to get it, and I wouldn't use it for things where I'd have to have that money that day, but it could be the next day I need to go down and withdraw cash. I can get cash out of the BTM. And so that that may be, and, and that would keep me kind of interested in, in at least watching it from, uh, you know, from that standpoint. If you're financially interested in it, kind of brings that, you know, $1,000, $2,000 uh, in their emergency. Maybe that's where your emergency savings lives. When so I think of savings, though, I think of, like, safety, as in, like, this savings goes into my savings account or it's backed by the federal government. You know, we talked about that whole thing with dollars. I know, I, but, dude, I, it's a thousand I it, Well, I know, but, okay, well, hey, to me, that's <laughs> money right now. I'll take it. If you're throwing it out there, I'll take your thousand dollars, Jim, and uh, I'll hold on to it for you. Don't worry. I'll, I'll be your I'm just, I'm just, I'm just flinging money at you. <laughs> but I would have to consider an investment, in my mind, because an investment for me is volatile. It can go up. It can go down. It's something that you can't guarantee. For, so I would never be able to consider it savings because savings, to me, Fair enough. It's it needs words. to be more concrete. If, and yeah, fair. it's just words. Right. Right. If, if if you had a Bitcoin wallet, he actually could send you a thousand dollars right now. Oh man! If only I had it set up. And I would. <laughs> but I think if I had a thousand dollars in a Bitcoin account to be able to do it, dude. Right. But I yeah. think it is. I I think you're on the right track, though. So there's two things again going back to commodity ver commodity versus currency, and that's what part of what causes confusion. I get that it has its trouble with people wrapping their heads around it. But the reality is, while people are building apps on it all day long and and uh and using it for really cool things that is are, that you would never know were written on the blockchain because all you're doing is dealing with the user interface. At the same time, people are also using it because People are always, you know, the 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 misconception is I'm going to lose all my money, or I'm going to lose a lot of money in, if I invest in Bitcoin. But the reality is, like you just described, I think is ideal for the typical user, where you're putting 25 bucks a week in, 25 bucks a month in, because the, rea the reality is, if it's 650 today, even if it goes up to 800, 
the worst it could do would be go back down to 650. And so while you lost money from 800 to 650, you've already been up ahead. And so people are, you know, it's like this this idea of the, the, what they don't look on the other side is that there's a great reward, or at least uh, there's an upside to it. That um, that as you mentioned, your uh, uh, FDIC two hundred fifty thousand dollar insurance policy on your bank account. Um, there, that is uh, some people would consider that a uh, uh, not a great hedge right now either. Right, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That's well, true. and I I I put my money in the stock market. I don't even blink. And yet, that is the most volatile index in the world. I mean, it moves around. When we think about, uh, you know, both national and international funds, nobody, everybody's comfortable with that. Those aren't insured funds. We have you, know, you seen we, Wolf of Wall Street? I mean, <laughs> exactly, taping money to yourself. Um, well, it's uh, Edward. It, it's interesting. It's it for me again. It's one of those things. I think it's worth. Now we have a great infrastructure because we have your BTM at Jones Brothers, and that's really close. Yeah. I mean, the three of us. Uh, what's cool about tonight is we're all in the Omaha area, so it's an all Omaha podcast. Not everybody has. Do you know? Are other cities? Are there other ATM or BTM devices in other cities? Are there cities that are supporting this? And not cities, but you know, Kansas City. Are they available down there? Can I? Do I'm out in California this week? Can I find BTMs in LA? That kind yeah, of yeah. There's uh worldwide. There's about 600. Um, what what my what I've experienced is, um, there are different, uh, there are different. They're they're not obviously all related, and so the what you run into is problems where you find a BTM but it's not working or something like that, and so um and so I I would not. I would not rely on a BTM to go get cash if you were going to Los Angeles and hoping to get some cash. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I so, but but yes, there's. I mean, with 600 on the world, there's there are certainly some. And the nearest one to us would be Kansas City. Yeah, after Nebraska, after Omaha, the next one would be Kansas yeah. City. Um, but so there, yeah, there are there. There's a fairly good spread, but I think that's that's going to become more and more common um, just with the growth of the industry. So yeah, well. Whether you call it an investment or whether you call it savings, I, I think from a diversification standpoint, I don't think it's a bad idea to to drop some of your value into this technology. And, and it, you know, it's one of those kinds of things. If I had done that last year when we were talking, my money would be worth exactly twice what it was a year ago. I can't argue with that. Those are that's those are the facts. 300 and something. You can go back to that podcast. It was it was right at the the low 300s or below it or something. 287. I can't remember. We talked about it twice. Maybe it was closer to that before and in the threes. But anyways, fact of the matter is six something today. That's interesting over the course of a year. By the way, that that trend has been pretty consistent over the last three or four years. Well, that's you know it's interesting that and and Bitcoin is also affected by less factors. Than we see in the U.S. stock market, right? So, you know, uh, when when Brexit happened, we had a massive correction. Now it came back, right? We're fine today. So there was this dip. Bitcoin didn't have that dip, that Brexit dip. I mean, it 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 did react in some way. In fact, if anything, it probably went up instead of going down during the Brexit thing. That would have been a smart place to be. So, I guess my point is. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't make it a savings account, so to speak. Maybe whatever. <laughs> but for me, it may be worthy, or might be. It might be uh, for a guy like me. It might be a good investment to drop twenty-five to fifty bucks a month. To head over, buy some Bitcoin or whatever, set up automatic, whatever. Right from that standpoint. 
and make that a part of my diversified portfolio from a financial standpoint, right? Where it becomes a piece of what I'm doing. I listen. I invest in things way riskier than this, and I don't even blink at it. <laughs> you know. So uh, and, and I'm not trying to beat you up, Mike, but I'll, I'll add this: the if if instances if if things transpire to the point that you're hoping the FDIC will give you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> you're probably if it's that bad, you're probably better off in Bitcoin than you are having your one uh, percent savings account or 025 percent savings account. That you know, uh, and and that and that's a completely fair point. No, and that and that is a fair <laughs> yeah. You have to remember. This is a U.S. government that has, like, November's coming. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> going to be in charge. You know, maybe you know, maybe now is a good time to just throw it all in Bitcoin. <laughs> of all the times, <laughs> maybe this is a very great time to just, you know what, just cashing out. Yeah. Well, see you later, First National Bank. I'm heading over to Bitcoin. <laughs> I think I'm going to throw with a cashier's check for all of my uh, accounts money. <laughs> I think it's interesting if we view it as a tool. Yeah. And and it's it's a it's a different kind of tool, right? In a in a savings account at a bank is one kind of tool, right? And I know I can get to that money and have great access to it. And so far on, with U.S. history, I've got I'm always going to have good access to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and, and the, anybody can write in PHP or Go or uh, you know JavaScript. But if you're dealing with somebody across the borders, you you they could be bad coders or malicious coders. And so we haven't run into anything like this before where we know that it is what it says it is regardless of who you're dealing with. Like that is that is a new and unique thing that, that we just don't have any basis for previously. And all of that, the back end of it is the extremely interesting part to me. If anything, all of that back end stuff is what is what I think has kept Bitcoin alive and keeps keeps popping up in the normal everyday news is I think that back end just being so intriguing that that's really what is not not keeping it alive but that's what in the normal public eye it's keeping it kind of on the on the horizon there yeah yeah do you think one last question do you think uh, Rennie puts in chat by gold not Bitcoin uh, you know gold is susceptible to highly highly speculative swings uh, it, now it is. It uh, it also has a path where it is more. It's worth more today than it's ever been worth, and it hasn't really had a major correction. I mean, it's moved up and down, but we have not seen. I mean, gold is apparently not one of those things that's ever going to go out of value from that standpoint. You could buy gold funds. Most people today are not going to purchase gold physically. Like I, I just that's crazy. By the way, that yeah. is pure craziness. If you're buying, if you're buying gold and keeping it at your house, from that standpoint. But do you do you think that Bitcoin could be susceptible to highly speculative markets if it got more popular? Well, you said a few things there, and and I'll can I start with saying, if you don't have to answer this, do you own any gold? Uh, not from an investment standpoint, no. Okay, all right. So the people I, I mean, that I, I think gold and things I bought that I wear, right, right, right. Uh, but right. I I don't like. I'm gonna hawk, you know. This is my savings account. Like I don't think of gold that way. <laughs> He's got his grills right. and he wears his teeth on the. Well, yeah, I guess. Besides <laughs> that, you know, we're all good. Yeah. Right. So I think I think people that, um, yeah, I think people that who own Mick or own gold would, um, I guess, as much because I think people that own it probably describe it a little bit different because it has gotten beat up and there's all these talks. There's all this talk about uh, 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 manipulation of the price and stuff like that. Um, 
I, I think that there's uh, since we're talking about one world currencies, I, I think there's this uh, this gold would be beneficial like if you are a conspiracy theorist and you're thinking like EMP or something like that like there is holding gold and the real thing and uh, it, it would be legit or have a use I guess but so would wine and so would liquor as well but so I think the uh, uh, the advantage of if you're not buying it in bricks then you are or actual bullion then you are you are trusting somebody. You're trusting in a financial institution that has your gold in a in a in a safe somewhere, which does you absolutely no good if something happens. You know that is a global impact. And so buying gold does not do you much good unless you're holding it yourself. If you're holding it yourself, you're probably doing it because you think there's something that's going to take out our, our 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 technology infrastructure. And if you think something's going to, and if you don't think something's going to take out our technology infrastructure then you're better off in Bitcoin, I think, because Bitcoin actually has true utilitarian value, whereas gold has nothing except shiny and heavy. And so I think then you're talking about Bitcoin being a little bit of a safer play than, than gold. I would I would personally probably buy a little bit of both, but yeah. that's yeah. whatever. Well, that's being diversified, right? I mean, that's uh, at the end of the day, and we're not a financial show. <laughs> but that being said, I mean, most of us, I mean, our demographic is 35, 55 white male, right? We make these, we're the ones making these decisions in our, in the circles that we run. And by the way, if I just excluded you from our main demographic, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just know my listeners uh, from most people. Well, Mike, you're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> you're pretty there. close to that. Getting there. But, but, but uh, Edward, that uh, what you just described there is great diversification by both, and and that's one of those kinds of things as you think about the things you own and the value that you have to them, and whatever your future investments are. When we think about storing that value, because that's what we're doing, right? We're storing value. It's like the calories <laughs> that I store in my body every day, uh, and I keep storing more and more than I should. But it's I, that's what I'm doing. I'm storing value for the future, and I'm trying to hedge those. Risks that I'm taking, and and you probably should have, you should probably be in both. I I just from you know to come back to make it full circle. I think Bitcoin now at this point in time is one of those serious uh, markets to consider and to be in because I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, it's been around long enough now that I, I don't think this is the you know this isn't the ten eight or ten years ago when it was crazy and everybody was generating their own bitcoins and whatever we talked about that in the last last time we had you on, but I, I do think there's a diversity angle here to this and it's probably smart to like again I won't pay attention to it unless I'm invested in it and it may be smart for me to make some kind of financial investment on a regular basis to just pay attention to it. I think the one thing we're also missing here is that, and, and we're wondering why it's kind of just floundering still after eight years. And you you mentioned it. Um, I think the last of the the one of the big missing pieces is the, and and this is obviously what some people would say qualifies as money. Period is the ability to pay government institutions and pay your taxes with it. And I think that will be a, a key driver in. Um, when I am a 40-year-old husband and father and I'm able to not only, it does me no good to go buy a cupcake with it, it does me all sorts of good to click a button and all of a sudden the, the state government has the money they're desperately wanting and, and I can get them off my back. That is a real need for everybody and that I think is going to be a key driver in adoption and you're seeing that in states like North Carolina um, uh, would be a, and even I'd say maybe Texas too would be another one. Um, you're seeing those uh, 
those uh, governments looking at Bitcoin and blockchain and its uses, and I think ultimately that's going to wind up being them accepting it as a way of paying off your uh, government debt. Yeah, I mean, we laughed at PayPal, right? And now PayPal keeps showing up in all these places that you know you're like, seriously, I can, you know, I can get a McDonald's hamburger with PayPal. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, and it struggles with some of even our payment systems off of our phones that they're not accepted everywhere. It's going to take time for those things to get into the system. So, well, a good discussion uh, nonetheless, yeah. and not, not your typical home gadget geeks, but it, uh, like I said, <laughs> it's my show, so I can do anything I want. Uh, I hope uh, if you, the listener who is out there, uh, in, and we had some great conversation in the chat room. By the way, I love the kind of the sparring back and forth and the just the challenge that takes place. This guy, this is, if we all just become lemmings and just do what everybody says and don't question this stuff, that's worthless. I mean, I, I think it's super smart to have, one of the things I appreciate about my audience and this, especially the chat room that's out there, is people are super skeptical about this kind of stuff and I like that. Bring it on because that keeps it accountable and I, I, hey, I'm not all in. Like, I haven't even bought Bitcoin yet. I have an account. <laughs> I haven't bought any yet. Uh, maybe it's time, you know. Maybe it's time for the next one. Edward, hang around a little bit here. Uh, we'll do a little bit of post show. We won't do much post show tonight because I got to get this show processing and going, and because I need to get it uh, produced yet tonight uh, because I'll be out for the weekend. Uh, so with that, hang tight for me one sec. I'll remind everybody that uh, if you haven't taken advantage of the Patreon link that we have, Mike or I put one out there. If you're interested in supporting the show. Maybe hold off for a second. We'll we'll put a one dollar entry out there. So if you ever want to try Patreon out, you can. Great way of supporting the show. Head over to theaverageguy.tv/slash support and uh, again, do it or don't do it. it. Just some people wanted to, so we made that available to you. That's it. maybe I should make that available in Bitcoin. Oh hey, there we go. Maybe if I, no, just kidding. You uh, <laughs> don't forget you can contact the show via email Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv and many of you do that as well. Track me on Twitter at Jay Collison. Don't forget that TheAverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, gets secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust, and uh, that's Christian, of course. Get more information and plans that start as little as ten bitcoins. No, ten dollars a month. Maple Grove Partners, man, ten big. Ten bill. Just gonna say that'd be a really expensive service. Wow, that's serious. That's seriously expensive hosting. MapleGrovePartners.com. We'll thank Roger out at WLMN Radio, and they they broadcast us live on Terrestrial Radio out there. Roger, thanks for doing that in Grafton, West Virginia. Uh, don't forget, you can download the app as well. We mentioned that at the top of the show. Go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. We'll thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app, and it's available out there for you for free if you want to download it. If you're using the Amazon, our affiliate link, don't forget that's theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, and uh, seems like a slow summer from the numbers I've been uh, watching lately, although I haven't seen the awesome Prime Day numbers that are come across Mike yet, but I, I'm not too sure so many in my audience did Prime Day. Uh, but it is out there if you want to, if you're going to shop at Amazon, just start at theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. Of course, we make a little bit off of that, and that helps us do things like we did uh, today with our friends over at Kangaroo in Focus. And, uh, and when we talk about that equipment, we're able to purchase that and be able to get those tested. And for you, if you're into this Pokemon Go thing that's going on, uh, Emily over at Classy Little Podcast wrote us a really nice little gadget article that's available for you, five gadgets that will help you do a Pokemon Go. I know, again, this is not my audience, but it is some of you. 
Mike, you're oh, I'm you've huge been out into doing it. some hunting, right? Yeah, I spent more time than I probably should. <laughs> Edward, uh, are you doing any Pokemon Go? No, no, no. not at all. No, no, no. no I did Ingress. I enjoyed yeah. Ingress for a while, and, uh, and that's all it is. It's Ingress with a Pokemon yeah. skin no, on it. Right on. It's awesome. Like yeah. I've never seen so many overweight teenagers out walking around. <laughs> Like my daughter said, Pokemon Go did in one weekend what Michelle Obama tried to get done in four years, yeah, like or eight years, right? Like all of a sudden, teenagers are out walking around the streets. Oh, parks are full, right? It's crazy. If you want to bring people together, if you want all different walks of life people all of a sudden having random conversations they would never would have had before, I can't tell you how many people I have talked to on the streets of Omaha, in my apartment complex, everywhere. Just and people that I you know, we probably would have had no reason to communicate before and we start a conversation and it's it's awesome. That is what I like. I don't I'm not even a huge big into like Pokemon, but I love just the concept of it and the fun nature of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you uh, haven't checked it out, go out to theaverageguy.tv, look in the review section, and uh, thanks, Emily, for uh, writing that for us. She totally unsolicited. She goes, I, I just couldn't not write this article, and I needed a good place to post it. Would you post it at, uh, at theaverageguy.tv because it fit your gadget motif just perfectly? So, she recommends like a battery and an electronic insect repellent and some earbuds and some stuff, right? Really, really cool stuff when it comes down to that. So, Emily, thanks for doing that, and uh, that's posted out there if you want to take a peek at it as well. We're changing the newsletter, last last thing here. We're changing the newsletter. Uh, we're going to go weekly on it, so if you were subscribed to it and you don't want to get a weekly communication from me, just go ahead and unsubscribe. Not a big deal. You won't hurt my feelings. But we will be posting. I will be, as I post every show, I'm going to send out an email behind that, mostly kind of just an update like tonight. We talk a little bit about what we talked about on the show. And I had Edward on. We talked about Bitcoin. The conversation was awesome, blah, blah, blah. Then here's, and, and hey, and I'm going to be in California for the weekend, stuff like that. And then I might say, here's the next four shows. So if you've ever wondered, everybody has always asked me, Mike, like, could you just talk about what's coming up? And I never, I've never <laughs> done that, right? Now I know. So Edward, actually, you got uh, you got featured last week as we were talking about uh, you you coming up. And I got some great feedback from people saying they really appreciated seeing the next four weeks of show. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. I always post a copy over there. So if you don't want to subscribe to it but you want to see it, just head over to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. It's there. You don't have to get spammed from me. But if you'd rather have the convenience of getting that put into your email box every week, uh, reg uh, yeah, register for it. Just give me your email. And I don't spam you. You will get that every week. But theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. We're live every Thursday, and I'm setting records on just the number of Thursdays that we're going to get it done here in 2016. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We got some good stuff coming up for you. We've been looking forward to this conversation, so Edward, thanks for doing it. Next week, Rich Hay is coming on. I mentioned we interviewed Ben Chu from In Focus. Uh, we're going to play that. Uh, it'll go to the, to the recorded feed only, but uh, Rich Hay is going to come on. We're going to talk about the Windows 10 uh, kind of the, the update that is coming here on August 2nd. Nathaniel Lindley and, and Chip are coming from and Chip from Making Dad Show is coming in. We're going to talk about Chromebooks the week after that. Chris Nessie is on to talk about EdTech. That's going to be a good one. Chris is a good guy. And so you're not going to want to miss that one. And then Dwayne's back. Dwayne Robinson is back on the 11th of August to talk about Azure. Um, and so we, we've got some great stuff. You do not want to miss the live show. 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, AverageGuy.tv slash live. We'll be back next week. Uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.